How are you? So glad that we have our time again this week. Praying that all is well with you, with your families, with your, your spouse, your loved one, your children, and of course yourself. I'm praying that all is well with you. Um, of course we know that some of the same old things is continuously continuing on in our society today. Um, those of you that have been joining with me from the onset of my coming on to Periscope, I thank God for you. I really do thank God for you joining with me. And um, it is a blessing to know that each of you take time to just stop by and say hello. I just want to thank all of you for uh, just even considering. Uh, if you don't know, I have a child that's serving a sentence of life without the possibility of parole according to the state of Florida. And uh, it's been difficult, as you know, if any of you have ever uh, had to experience that life, whether it was a long stint or, you know, a few years, you realize that you are not the only one that suffered through it. And it, it, it can be difficult. But let's, let's talk about first tonight that you've been given a life sentence and how are you going to live it. Uh, if you all remember back in, uh, I think this movie came out, well according to Wikipedia, it came out uh, April the 16th of 99 and the director was Tim Demme and it was uh, the movie Life and the two main characters, Ray who was portrayed by Eddie Murphy who was a, a slick talking con man and and then their other was a no nonsense uh, up and coming banker, bank teller and that was played by Martin Lawrence and and these two didn't get along at first they were just opposites and it so happened how they met Martin Lawrence was in this nightclub where Eddie Murphy was and Eddie Murphy was there to pay off a debt to this uh, club owner and Eddie Murphy was buying moonshine so that he could cover his debt and it so happy happened that uh, Claude portrayed by uh, Martin Lawrence was sitting there with his uh, brand new soon-to-be bride or she was his bride, and they were having a good time and getting ready to celebrate the fact that he's getting ready to start his brand new job. And he encounters Ray, Eddie Murphy, <laughs> and who was just slick talking. And um, Claude didn't like him too much. You know, he was trying to not portray this certain image. It wasn't that he was trying to be stuck up, but he was working hard to outlive to outdo what society was saying that his culture was and he was telling Eddie this you need to get yourself together you know I'm, I'm paraphrasing on all this and it turns out that Eddie Murphy witness witnesses a murder he doesn't remember this at the time because he's knocked out and everything but he it, it, and 
later on, as they were incarcerated, he realized that what he saw. Um, he witnesses a murder. This young man uh, murders someone, and he actually convicts, he, he convinced the jury that both Claude and Ray committed this murder. And the jury finds them guilty. They produce evidence, had everything set there for them, and said that they committed the murder. These two men lived a sentence of, it was supposed to be life, but they served 62 years for a murder they did not commit. Now, the amazing thing in the movie, you'll find that uh, they, when it starts out, there's an older uh, inmate telling the story to younger inmates, and it shows two caskets being buried, and he's talking about these two gentlemen, how they bickered the whole time they were in uh, prison together, and they ended up being friends, but they had like this love-hate relationship, you know? And they formed this wonderful bond. And when they had gone to prison, they were young, in their youth, maybe in their 20s. And they started working for, one was, uh, uh, Claude ended up being like the chauffeur uh, to the warden. And Ray, Eddie Murphy, was the gardener. He was tending the yard and everything. And it turned out that they were telling the warden that they didn't commit the crime. Of course, he didn't want to believe it at first. But it so happened that one of his visitors came to see the warden. And Eddie and Claude remembered him because of the scarring on his face. And at that time, that visitor was the young sheriff that committed that murder. Not only did they commit, he commit the murder, he stole Eddie Murphy's sterling silver watch that was given to him by his father. And that convicted him too because he pulls it out of his pocket. Eddie told him that's his father's watch. And of course, this criminal decided that he's a liar. You need to get that boy together. And the warden, he knew once he told them, he just could not believe that all this time, all of the, the turmoil that these two men had gone through, the different things that they witnessed, and all of these ways of having to protect themselves from even being murdered, they should have never been there. And so the warden uh, said that he was going to write a letter to get them pardoned. And he happens to have a heart attack and dies. So Eddie Murphy, Ray, and, and, and Martin Lawrence, Claude, come up with a plan. Well, of course, it was the con artist, you know, the slick talker, <laughs> Ray. He had decided to come up with a plan. And they um, uh, was making the infirmary where the older people were and all of this. Where they were ill, you know, the hospital. And uh, they started a fire there. And they fixed it where it would appear that they had died. 
So that's where the story came in. You know, they were saying that they had died and had buried them. And the older gentleman, older inmate was telling the younger ones, and they were saying, um, but it, did they die? And he just laughs. It goes off when he was laughing, and it shows that Eddie Murphy, those that happened to be in a stadium watching a baseball game, and they had not seen this, watching the new cars, the way they, the people were dressing, the different styles. Because when they had gone in, it was in the 30s. And then here it is, this in 1990s. They're sitting there and never saw these things. Could not hardly believe it. But they were able to live free because they had to get out of there. They were going to be pardoned anyway, but of course that was not about to happen if no one was to believe them and the only one knew the truth was no longer living. What are we getting with this? I was a correctional officer for a little while and I could not remain one because uh, anytime you go in, and when people are hearing about the different things that law enforcement officers uh, witness and being taught, it's true. There are some that's going to do some heinous things and cover up their stuff. And they find a way, yes, to teach people to be ugly and nasty because I had never experienced that type of uh, life. When you go behind those bars and you hear that those gates close, clang, a noise you can never forget. You're in the same place where these people are. And some serving life. You serving eight hours of life behind there. How are you going to live your life sentence? There are many that are there maybe for being asleep in the car, because I met an inmate like that, was asleep in the car on his way to college from a affluent family, but loved people, uh, on his way to become a, a basketball star, and was asleep in the car when his friends, he thought were friends, had gone in and committed a murder. He went too. And he had nothing to do. It didn't have a clue that they were going to do what they were doing. But no one was convinced. And there were some that wanted to rape him. And he was not going to tell that they were doing this. You know, they planned to do this. Just the way he gave me the look. He didn't even want to go take his shower. Because he was letting me know that there was something planned. And the Lord gave me so much favor with the inmates because I treated them like they are. They're human beings. They're somebody's child. They're somebody's husband, brother, cousin, son. And yes, there were some things that had gone on that I would not have believed and some of the wives would not have believed. Uh, but yes, it did take place. One thing I noticed about the men, though, they didn't do a lot of telling on each other. And that's something my daughter talked about today. I was able to speak with her after four months not being able to speak to her at all. And thank God that everywhere that she has gone that the Lord has been taking care of her. And he, he allowed her to not get any diseases and sicknesses and all of these things. And But I tell you something else. But go to this young man. And he was saying that just with his eyes that something was going on. And 
I prayed. I said, Lord, you got to give me something to help him because I know he's trying to reach out, but he wouldn't dare come to me. There's no way. They were not going to do that. They didn't snitch on each other, any of those things. It just wasn't going to happen. And uh, the Lord just had me to keep going by, checking on him, just almost like I'm, uh, I'm picking on him in a sense. Oh, I need to see you. I need to check your house. I need to check your bunk. I need to check this and check that. Kept myself present around him all the time because they were they were they had this thing that uh, this cold when they knew that the officers were coming to check them they would uh, based upon how many the officers were they said one time two time three time like that and that means that uh, the officers how many we were and they gave me so much favor. And they wanted me to become sergeant or the captain. And I knew I couldn't do that. There's no way. Because I read those jackets that they didn't want me to read. The officers telling me never read the inmate's jacket. And the reason why I saw that was because when you read it, you would see that at least 99.9% .9 of those that were in there should not be in there for what they were convicted of. And when I knew that, I'm like, wow, no money. They didn't have money. They didn't have defense and all these things. And they would have never gone there. So it was very difficult for me. I was not about to stay. I could not do that. Um, and while you in incarcerated, uh, what we see in our society is different there. It's almost like reverse. The rules are totally different. Um, people think about saying that people are rehabilitated when they go to prison. And many are. My daughter have learned some lessons that I taught was trying to get her to see uh, when she was younger. And then she taught me some lessons today too. And we'll get to that. Um, but what we're talking about you in a prison and, and every last one of us was given a life sentence is how we choose to live it. What are we talking about? Go to John 10 and then we're going to read real quickly, just real quickly uh, starting at the seventh verse, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. The Lord has given us a life sentence. How we choose to live it is up to us. He came to give it, and when he said abundance, that's without the possibility of parole. And that's what the, the state of Florida said for my daughter. But we know that we're still working on some things. and Very difficult. But I know somebody that is all that. And he's doing some things. Anyway, going to what my daughter was saying today. She said, Mom, you don't understand. Men in prison, they don't snitch. But women in prison, they'll do whatever they can to make themselves look good. They, uh, she was talking about, she said, you even get to the point where you think you've made a friend. And you're not confided in that friend. And then all of a sudden that friend turn on you when it's convenient to them. I said, you got to pray. She said, another thing, 
She said, one thing I noticed about women, the darker they are, the meaner they can become. I said, why do you say that? She said, because they have a tendency to uh, look at women that are lighter skinned and say nasty things to them such as, oh, you think you are all that, but you're not. And she said, you're not doing a thing to them. And then she said that uh, at any given time, if they feel like they are going to be, uh, they have to own up to their stuff, they come up with everything they can to mud you out because they can't go down by themselves. So we know uh, that's not the way it should be. So anyway, I don't know what's going on there, but it's okay. We're going to continue on. The screen on Periscope has gone black, but that's all right. Uh, so anyway, here we are. I was telling her that, telling my daughter that you got to love people. You got to have compassion for people and understand that just because someone has made a mistake, you cannot limit them, limit them to that mistake. If you do, you have negated their whole existence. And I also told her, I said, even though those young ladies that you feel like have uh, said ugly things to you, you got to understand, she said, it's just like a slave mentality is what she was saying. I said, what do you mean the slave mentality? She said, well, because they taught these things. I said, you got to understand, though. It is very difficult if you talk that if the shading of your skin is not a certain type, then you're not good. You're ugly. You're not beautiful. And then you see in other, the lighter the shade of the skin, the more valued you seem to have. I said, then these ladies who have the darker skin will feel that way. But you got to pray for them and love them too and see from where they're coming from. So, that's a sentence. We all have been given a life sentence. How are we going to live it? How are we going to treat other people? How are we going to uh, let go of our own hurts and pains and shortcomings? And, and how are we going to allow the Lord to use us the way he wants to if we confine ourselves into our own? How do we, you, you know, close confinement or uh, you're putting yourself in a box when you cannot release the love that Lord gave you. You got to be able to see people past what we think. We have to do that. We have to be able to see people like we want to be seated, seen and treated. We have to treat them like we want to be treated. The biggest uh, way that the enemy comes is through deception. The word clearly says he come to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that even in prison there's things that go on. Let me go back on here. I don't know what's going on here.
Let's, you know that things that go on in there. We're going to just have to start back over again because I don't even understand what was going on there. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. And we are back. But anyway, what we were saying before we were rudely interrupted, uh, <laughs> what we were saying is that, if you're joining us again, that you've been given a life sentence and how are you going to live it? We all have had experiences. We all have uh, definitely been mistreated one way or the other. Whether it was something that someone showed us, taught us, and all of these things. Uh, like I said, that uh, there's many times where officers were uh, taught how to hurt people. That's true. We can't say that that doesn't happen. But you have good officers that have to stand up. If they stand up, they might not remain an officer. And that's the truth. Whether anyone likes to hear that or not, it is the truth. That the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy like that. Meaning that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's life had been taken. Doesn't necessarily mean that someone's uh, possessions had been stolen. But if your mindset had been stolen to the point that you are critical, you are judgmental, you are fearful of everything, and it is, feels as if you are, you can't get out of that close confinement. You just can't seem to get your way out of that box. Why do you keep thinking that way? Why do you keep going that way? You don't understand it. You don't know why you're doing it. That's because the enemy had came in and he stole your joy. He was stealing your peace. He was introducing things to, to you that you should have never, ever experienced. That is what was going on. We know that, like we say, that even in prison, people forget that they are human beings, that they are loving individuals. And yes, they might have had something happen in their life. And yes, something took place that they did don't even want to uh, think about. And then others, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And that is true. I know that to be true. I know it to be true because I actually, and yes, this is going to upset some. I actually saw some officers set someone up. So I knew I wasn't about to tell because I, I had my two little grandchildren I had to take care of. No, they wasn't born. It was my two younger children. My children were younger at that time. Yes. So let me get that straight. I'm sorry about that. I mis, uh, misspoke there. And um, the truth of the matter, it does happen. And yes, mean things do take place if they feel fearful that something you're going to expose. That's what the enemy does. My car was do doing very well the very night that I saw that right before uh, 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 this individual was being set up. I saw several officers in our apartment complex and I was living in another place then. Not where my daughter eventually, uh, the warrant supposed to have been there, but it wasn't. We had moved down a mile from there and there was no warrant for where we were. But anyway, we won't go to that. But anyway, these officers were in the yard. 
We were coming back home that night. And I could not believe it. I said, what are they doing here? And my goodness, I was... <laughs> As a matter of fact, I still see them. It was five officers. They were looking around in the complex and all these things and in the backyard. And, and it so happened that my grandson's father at that time had been... Uh, had <laughs> a business. <laughs> so... Uh, I did not know that they were trying to get him into some things. And uh, I just watched them and had gone on in the house. And I was wondering, I said, these pair of scissors are standing up in this flower bed. Why? You know, it's almost like I, I pick up on certain things like that. And then um, the next day, I was driving my car, going to pick up my children from school. And all of a sudden, the temperature gauge on my hand immediately flew, got hot. I was able to get my vehicle back home. Can you imagine that? How the Lord blessed me that? It actually blew my hair gasket. The engine had to be repaired. My father did it. He rebuilt that thing and $1,500 to rebuild that engine. And... Uh, I never understood why, what was going on, and it was another officer later that told me that maybe a potato was put in your tailpipe. A potato. Can you believe that? A potato? I would have never dreamt. And this particular officer was a very good officer, actually. He didn't play any junk. I thank God he was able to stand his ground and, and not get into some stuff. But he, they didn't play it with him. They, If they were going to do their stuff, they do your stuff. Don't get me in it. Don't say a word to me. Don't even try me like that kind of officer. He was one of a kind. Well, I can't say one of a kind because it's never going to be an absolute evil until for a certain time when um, all of God's people will be taken away. So we know that's going to come, and that's the Antichrist. So you're given a life sentence. What are you going to do with it? Like we said, uh, the inmates, they go through things, and then she was talking about how uh, these ladies were being mean and nasty, young ladies, being nasty her, to her. She's just walking by. You think you something because you light skin. Really? She can't help. She was born with her DNA. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And she said it's just a man, um, uh, slavery mentality. And then she was saying that, um, she said that what really got me was uh, there was a young lady that does love me and I love her very much. But I did not know. I knew that there was some jealousy towards my daughter, but I did not know the extent and she told me that this young lady actually betrayed her when it came down to uh, a girl that wanted to jump her. And she was pregnant with my grandson at that time. And, and the child's father, of course, should never have been in her life and all of these things. And But now... He's gotten her pregnant, and we have been looking for her at 20, for 22 months at this time. So when I finally found her, she was about six months pregnant. 
So she was saying that this person that she admired that would call her sister all the time and loved her, she thought. When, and she had even helped her get the boyfriend that she has, who were her children's fathers and all this thing. And she said as soon as this girl who she did not even know decided to jump her and she's pregnant. The girl that she thought was her friend betrayed her, got in the car with her, riding around with her and all these things. And she said she realized this person doesn't even love her and she thought she did all these years. She said that she even tried to communicate with her now that she's incarcerated and not one time did she even say hello. How are you doing? She was just talking about how successful she was and, and she said she was just focusing on everything about her. And she said, Mom, I'm telling you right now, that girl don't love me. Because if she did, she would have been asking me is there anything I can do for you I told her I said you need to pray for her you really do I said because you got to understand there's a lot of things that was going on in her life that she did not uh, bring upon herself she didn't have a father there and all these things and different you know you're hurting your mom had gone through some things and it's how you live in this life that God gave you what you see out of it. Are you seeing it as just something to exist from? Uh, one, we didn't give ourselves this life. We don't even give ourselves the air we breathe. It's involuntary. He's doing it. It's not we doing it. When we decide to hold our breath, yes, we know we can't hold it but for so long. Because he mandated that you breathe until the time he takes you home. There are some that have been incarcerated. Like I said, when I was a correctional officer, uh, I realized that uh, some had been in there for drugs, you know, selling drugs and, and, and marijuana, and some got 25 years for that for a very small amount. And they chose not to live their life as if they were uh, doomed. They knew that I'm going to be here for a while, but how I live my life here, that is going to determine how I live my life when I get out. Am I going to constantly be thinking about the, the truth that somebody else did uh, far worse and got less time? Or am I going to take this opportunity to learn from it, see what I can glean from all of this? So that I can help somebody else. What am I going to do with this? Thinking about when you get back out. You already stigmatized. And, and people thinking what they want to think. And, 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 and maybe the news media. And all these things. And people talking. And the, you not able to even defend yourself. And give your story. And if you did it's already censored. Uh, you can't write your family. Because it's censored. If anything they don't want you to say. Or think it's just too much truth. Is censored. All of these things. And we understand that there, there's people that did go in to steal, to kill, and destroy. Because the enemy had done those things. But then it makes it very difficult for anybody else to live their life. If they allow themselves to buy into the enemy's tactics. You can't do it. You got to understand. He's going to do that. He's going to come to try to defile you. To make you feel weak and small. Because maybe you did uh, experience some things that you would have never dreamt that you would have. 
but you overcame it. What are you going to do with it now? Are you going to teach someone like some uh, of these officers to teach you how to hurt somebody? And it's true they do that. And this is not hearsay. Like I said, I was certified a correctional officer for a few months. And then I went on into children's and families. And, and, and because I'm in the ministry, been in the ministry since I was nine years old, that's who I am, who the Lord made me. Eventually, I had to go back to who he made me. But these things do happen because people get this mindset that if you in prison, then you really are heinous. That's not the case. You might have, some might have made a mistake, but come on, really? I tell you, it's amazing how we, uh, how each of us view our lives. Are you going to be one that feel that the, the, Entire My entire existence is to prove that I am somebody. That I always have to, uh, uh, sh uh, how they say, make a hustle. I always have to watch my back. I always have to uh, see who's out to get me. I I'm going to make sure that I'm going to get what I have to get without you. If I have to, if I'm, I have to be all by myself, I'm fine. And you already know you're just talking. You just making you just hearing yourself talk. You know that's not true. You don't even want that. You don't need to do that. And God said you're not supposed to. You get your happy behind in some serious trouble there. So we don't need to uh, live our life condemned. When the Lord gave us a sentence of life without the possibility of parole, He didn't imprison us. He freed us. And then if we're so used to a lifestyle of being told when to do something, how to do something, go to bed at this time, get up at this time, whatever is dealt you, you have to take, and all these sort of things, it may be difficult for you to understand that what you have gotten used to is not life. It was existence. Life is being able to be free to allow him to do what he has to do. Now, we know, we talked about before, many people feel like freedom means that I can sex anybody I want to, anytime I want to, how I want to. It's always got to be sex involved in it first. We know this. Anything illicit, oh, it's got to be there. Then you got the freedom. Why is it that you cannot have the freedom to love? Love yourself first. Love yourself so much that you don't want just any and everything in your life. Why is it that you can't be uh, free enough to show somebody else that they don't have to go where you have gone? Whether it was a decision that you made or it was placed upon you, like I said, the young man that was asleep in the vehicle and actually making, uh, having a sentence placed upon his life because no one was convinced that he didn't know that his friends were going to do what they did. If someone gets uh, imprisoned in their mind to think negative, they're going to be negative. They're going to look for it. And then they'll create that. Whether it's true or not. But in their head, what they're thinking is the way it is. That's how they've chosen to live their life. How are you going to choose to live yours? Are you going to live your life forever trying to cover what the enemy did? Give him back his stuff. You don't have to have that. You don't have to feel like you have to uh, keep your contraband. You know that contraband is outlawed. 
And here you are keeping his contraband, his lies, making you think that you have to continuously live with uh, 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 covering up his stuff, trying to make yourself feel better, look better, because you're so afraid nobody else can see you. Then you get to the point you even forget who you are, the greatness that you are. You are gifted. You're uniquely made. Nobody else like you. Not even an identical twin. And you don't have to settle for always trying to fit in. And she felt that she had to do that. She realized now that uh, if they don't love her, it'll come out. And I told her, I said, well, maybe she does. I said, but it, right now it's a dangerous place because she's loving you, but she feels like she got to protect herself, which means she will throw you out there. So that's a dangerous place because love can't be divided. It can't be, a, 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 if it's got any contamination of jealousy or envy or strife, it's not pure love. And the Lord didn't give that to you. He gave you freely. He said he came that you may have life and have it abundant. He was even talking about how uh, he's the gate for the sheep. Meaning that there's so much going on. We know we talked about the different religions and all of this. Yes, it is. It's still going on. And, every, and the enemy is still trying to tell that lie that all roads lead to the same God. That's not true. All people came from the same God. Yes. But we know that that's not true. We know that there's mixing of mysticism and all these other things. So they can't say that's true. And he was letting them know that the sheep, my sheep, not listening to that junk. He came to give you that life. Don't listen to that junk. Don't listen to that, yes, you made a mistake. And, 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 and yes, you, you feel that you have not accomplished your goals. And, and yes, you haven't seen things manifest like you would desire and that you know the Lord would desire. But as long as you're still breathing. And honestly, there may be some things that will take place after you've gone. But what he showed you is still true. It wasn't a lie. Read that word and you'll find out. Many prophets, the word that they gave happened years after they had gone on to glory. Now what would somebody say? Oh, they didn't tell the truth? <laughs> yeah, they did. The Lord doesn't tell lies. He can't. The Lord can't be evil. Will not. Can't. It's impossible. Not a part of his DNA. Just doesn't happen. So, when you realize how valuable you are, you were given this life sentence. To live it abundantly. It doesn't mean how much stuff I can get. How much stuff I can hoard up. How much I, I have to feel like I have to live my life in fear. Because of the blessings that God gave me. No, 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 no. He said that when he gives you blessings, he had no sorrow with it. He's going to take care of you. People don't believe that. Yes, give it all over to the Lord. Everything that he gave you. Lord, you use it like you want to. Father, use me like you want to. And watch he protect you. He has a posse around you that you don't even understand. If you were to see in the spirit, it would more than likely blow your mind. That he loves you so much that he has those angels, that many, encamped about you at all times. We have to lay ourselves down. We have to get outside of his protection 
to even allow some things to take place in our lives. When you realize, like we said, that some inmates, they decided that, yes, I'm here for a while, but I'm going to do my time easy. That's what you have to do. Do your time easy. Love on the Lord. Let him love on you. Let him uh, uh, treat you like you desire to be treated. And don't be afraid to let him do it. I'm just so amazed because uh, it's amazing that even a trick of the enemy now, this is twice that this screen has gotten gone dark. But that's okay. I'm not going to stop this right now. I'm going to continue to tell you that the Lord loves you. He loves you with everything that he is, which is love. He came to give you this life sentence to be free and free indeed. Not have hatred, not have fear, not be controlled and confined to that. Not placed in self-confinement. You don't even have to. Some inmates have to be placed in self-confinement because of protection from somebody trying to hurt them. The Lord will have you even in the midst of your enemy and he cannot touch you. That's how much he loves you. Yes, he's going to talk about you. Yes, he's going to try to treat you bad. Yes, he's going to try to control you. Yes, he doesn't want you to succeed. But that doesn't matter. You have to know that you are who God made you. You are an extension of who he is. He made that when you get up in the morning... The host of heaven shouts because you're representing him. Every time you open up your mouth to praise how you are creating the atmosphere. When you start seeing yourself as the gift God made you, nothing is going to disrupt that truth. You will no longer be limited to what you see. You, be, you will be totally empowered by who you know. And you know that everything that he says shall take place. You won't even get to the point of, it didn't happen right now, Lord. You won't care when it happened. You know that it is going to. You don't. You would get to the point, you're not so confined to uh, imprisonment of what other people are saying and thinking and that you felt like it had to be done a certain way at a certain time. I'm talking to me even on that. Because there were many times when I felt that, the Lord, you said you were going to do this thing, but then this happened. Yes, sometimes people bring stuff on you. They throw things in your lap that you didn't even see coming. Yes, that happens. Life even happens. Some things that no one even did. It just life happened. You cannot allow yourself to be imprisoned to uh, control and manipulation of the enemy. Don't let him do it to you. Don't let him steal your joy. Don't allow him to get you to the point where your peace is non-existent because you're constantly working things out in your mind. Constantly forever uh, uh, getting yourself. He's using you as a puppet. Don't let him do it. Just tell that devil, shut it down. You're not listening to that mess anymore. You're going to see people as God sees them. It's in spite of what they do or don't do. In spite of what they say or don't say. As a matter of fact, on one of the groups that I was um, brought into and 
this gentleman was calling me an idiot because it was a, a, a video where these young uh, African-American boys were beating on this Caucasian little boy. And you don't know the whole story is going on. Little boys dressed like them too, like streets and everything. And they start slapping him and something. And then they, one boy went over there and started punching him and one kicked him like trying to stump him and an older child or teenager was videoing saying y'all stupid and things but he didn't stop it so I'm like and he said y'all are stupid so it's knowing the culture something took place because you can hear where the child said I have no beef with you something took place for them to say that but still they didn't negate that what these boys did was absolutely wrong should have never happened and that's what I was saying. I said in a, in a country where uh, decent Christian people able to call people animals, because this one man was talking about they were monkeys and all of these things, and, and uh, calling people animals when we were created in God's image and some other things I was talking about. And he was saying that they all are animals, whether they're KKK and everything, and he called me an idiot. And I, I, I just said, thank you for, bless you for revealing your heart. Then that's when he wanted to say something else. I just waited again. And I said, truly, you don't know me. And I said, and that gives you, uh, you know, that misunderstandings are understandable. But I invite you to do your research on me. Because he was saying that I was prejudiced. <laughs> Glory be to God in the highest. See, when these things come at you, you don't have no reason to get upset with people. Because it's not even about you. The enemy is doing what he having to do. This man ha apparently had had an experience and he was hurting. I could tell that. So I couldn't heal that. I'm not Christ. I can't fix that. All I can do is represent Christ and love on him. So all I ever talked about in the whole time, everything that I was saying, is that those children, we, they learn hate and they need to be taught love. And so that's when he got upset and said, that's saying a lot about me. In other words, because he said we're just black kids being defended. So that's what he was saying. He, he took that to that and said that I was racist. So I got tickled by it. So you truly don't even know me. Which it doesn't. So why would I, what did it matter if he was insulting? I, I called the spade a spade. It hit his heart. And that's what the truth does. The truth will always hit the enemy in the face. So why do you get upset? Don't let him do that to you. God sent you to life and that abundantly. But his life is that you are not a prisoner. You're not supposed to be in close confinement. You're not supposed to be in solitary confinement. You're not supposed to even be behind a gate. You are free to allow him to live through you. Allow others to see the love in you. That's what you're free to do. And your mind has to change. Because the first thing that the flesh wants to do is when you say the Lord is there to, uh, you want him to take over. The first thing that the flesh to say, just want to control me. Yes, you really do want the Lord to control you so you can be free and not be a prisoner. Because everything outside of godliness and holiness, you're a prisoner. 
He said it. We talked about that Friday night on Facebook that you, the Lord said you're a prisoner to sin. So we don't want to be a prisoner. We want to be free. We want to be able to live this life sentence and live it abundantly. That whatever he places in your hands, you're able to take care of. You're able to do. You're able to love people. See them pass their pain. Love them in spite of even if they, the enemy is telling them that you are unlovable, that you are unkind, you want this and you want that. You still love. That's what you're supposed to do. I'm going to let you go a little earlier tonight. And I just want you to just think about that. You've been given a life sentence. How are you going to live it? Think about the many times where you've allowed your experiences to control you, to manipulate you, treat you like a puppet, causing you to say things and do things that just make you look, in some cases, like you don't even have your right mind. We all have been there and wish we hadn't gone there. You have to pray to ask the Lord to really take over because some things we do uh, is irreparable. We get to the point where we can't even be trusted. So the Lord doesn't want us to be there. He'll forgive us. Yes, he does. And thank God he does. And I'm asking you to free yourself from your prison of, oh, I shouldn't have done it. I keep doing it. I don't know why. Then let him take over. I tell you this all the time. I love you with all of my heart, and this is the truth. But this is one thing that is more important. God loved you first, and he loves you best. God bless you. Good night.